What up, what up, what up, friends? And welcome to the Ball and Buds Podcast. I am your host, Omar Fonseca, and this is our Super Bowl 55 review with a special returning guest, NFL expert Shane Peacher is back to help us break down what happened in Super Bowl 55. Well, 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 what a game, or more like what a dud. Not going to lie, I got bored, started doing other things while watching the game. You know, already going in, I was a hater to the game anyways, because it was Brady and Mahomes, both the bane of my existence as a Raiders fan. But I still wanted to see it because I thought it was going to be an awesome QB matchup. I thought it was going to be a great shootout. I was like, oh, man, we're going to see a lot of points. I'm really excited about it. And we did see a lot of points for one side and no touchdowns for the other. No touchdowns for the most prolific offense. Hmm. Anyways, you know how we like to kick this bad boy off with Omar's overture. Tom Brady, unfortunately made his seventh Super Bowl title look very, very easy. Despite being with a brand new team, brand new teammates in a brand new city in the middle of a pandemic, he kept the Chiefs from repeating as Super Bowl champions and became the seven-time Super Bowl champion. Seven times. I know I said that already, but seven times. That's crazy. I am a noted Tom Brady hater, but I can admit when something is great and you cannot see seven Super Bowl titles and not say that he is not the GOAT. Now, I personally think Peyton Manning was the best QB I ever saw. I also think Joe Montana is the GOAT because I'm not going to admit out loud, even though I just did. I'm not going to say that Brady's the GOAT, but you got to recognize greatness, right? Seven Super Bowl titles. He has more Super Bowl titles than any team put together. Any organization, more than the Steelers, more than the 49ers, more than the Cowboys. Now, granted, I know, yes, it's a team sport. It's not all by himself. Don't get your panties in a twist. Whoever's out there about to jump down my throat. No, I understand. Yes, team game. Yes, I get it. But still, man, how many other quarterbacks have even been to seven? Anyways, and he did it with Thronk, two TDs. And I predicted that before the game. I actually put him in my daily fantasy lineups because I knew that he was going to go off. I just had a feeling. I was like, man... Brady's going to rely on Gronk in this Super Bowl. He's going to rely on his old friend. For the second time in history, the Bucks are champions. As I mentioned, the last time was 2002 when they beat my Raiders. So congrats to them again for being champs again and doing it in the same fashion as well. I know these Chiefs fans feel just like I felt back in 2002 because that was a blowout just like this was a blowout. And I know how I felt that night. So I know how my friends Dale, Anthony, and Eric are feeling right now. I commiserate with your pain, my friends. Tom Brady was 21 for 29, 201 yards, three touchdowns and no interceptions. So one thing that we highlighted in the preview was that he was going to have to limit his turnovers. And he did exactly that. Managed the game well, kept the ball in the Bucks' possession. They ran it down their throat. Ronald Jones had 12 rushes for 61. Fournette was 16 for 89 with one TD, the big dog was coming through, and that running game just ran all over that Chiefs D. If coaches could win MVP, though, it would go to Todd Bowles, I'll tell you that much. This Buccaneers defense, woo-wee, I've never seen anybody limit Mahomes like that. 
but they did. They limited him to 26 of 49, passing for 270 yards with zero, I repeat, zero TDs for the most prolific offense in the NFL and two INTs. That defense was swarming like a pack of rabid hyenas and they were just chasing him down. He was running like Pac-Man just everywhere. He was just like darting around. Mahomes couldn't get no time. The secondary was holding it down. So the Bucks defense definitely deserves huge, 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 huge amounts of credit, just as much, if not more, than Brady himself. The Chiefs were disappointing, right? Even though Travis Kelsey had 10 receptions for 133 and Hill chipped in with 7 for 67, they didn't really have much of a running game and they couldn't really get anything going because Mahomes was running around the whole time. The Bucks defense was fast and aggressive, had him like a chicken with his head cut off, sacking him three times for 27 yards and losses, and 10 QB hits. 10 QB hits. That shows you what kind of pressure they were bringing. They allowed just three of 13 third down conversions and only one of three fourth downs. So it finally happened. Mahomes had a really, really bad game. No magic, no anything from this prolific offense, not even a TD. Just a whole lot of pressure, incompletions, running for his life, and not enough points. Uh, Per ESPN, Mahomes was pressured on 29 of 56 dropbacks, 52% of those. The most pressures of any QB in Super Bowl history, passing Jim Kelly's record of the Buffalo Bills back in Super Bowl 26. That's insane. And we thought, as always, if... They gave Mahomes enough time that no matter what kind of lead the Bucks got, the Chiefs would always have a chance to come back, always have a chance to strike back. But they never had that chance. They never brought that strike back. I do believe that home field advantage came into play. I believe that because the Bucks did not have to travel and the Chiefs traveled the day before, I know they didn't make any excuses. I'm not making it for them. But in my analyzation, I believe that that had some sort of effect I don't think you can travel the day before such a big game and get proper rest and things of that nature. I understand COVID's happening, so we all got to make do. But I think that did have a little bit of effect. I don't think that would have made up for everything. I still think they would have lost this game because they got their butts whooped, basically. As well as losing the two offensive tackles on his line. That had a lot of impact as well because the other tackles just weren't able to cut the mustard, to be completely honest. You know, they weren't as good as the starters for obvious reasons. They're not the starters, but that definitely impacted them. He had no time to throw deep to any of his receivers. And so I think there were other factors involved, and we're going to get into that right now with NFL expert Shane Peacher. Thank you for coming back and joining us on the show again for this Super Bowl 55 review. My friend, how are you doing? How's it going, Omar? Uh, Great to be here. I definitely appreciate you having me on. I'm glad to be here to answer any questions you got. That's awesome. So, as I mentioned earlier in Omar's overture, I believe that the travel had an effect on Kansas City's performance and vice versa had an effect on the Bucks in a positive fashion because they didn't have to travel anywhere. What is your opinion on how the travel affected the team's performances? I actually think opposite, man. I don't think it had an effect on either team. Mm. Too much to affect anything. They're both professionals. They do this every year, every week of the football season. So, I mean, maybe, you know, the Bucks getting to sleep in their own bed helped a little, but I don't think it helped enough to do anything, Omar. 
Right. So I also said that I didn't think that it would have made necessarily the difference. I think they still would have lost. But I do think that Kansas City travel definitely had some effect. I definitely think it was minimal. I mean, like I said, the Chiefs and Andy Reid are known for doing this coming the day before. So I think they just got their butt whooped, and that's all there is to it. Awesome. So the Bucks are only the fourth team in history to beat three teams on the road to make it to the Super Bowl. Other than your football team, which, yeah, bleh. We know that the Bucks made a super run to the Super Bowl, beating New Orleans and Drew Brees, Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, and finally in the Super Bowl, the Kansas City Chiefs and Mahomes. That is incredible. That's an incredible lineup of QBs to run through. Kansas City did that by getting the pressure on Mahomes. Now, we know they were missing some offensive linemen. They're two starting offensive tackles. Eric Fisher, Tor, and Achilles in the AFC Championship game, while Mitchell Schwartz was out with a back injury since week six and was unable to recover in time. They were substituted with Mike Remmers and Andrew Wiley, who were unfortunately just not able to cut the mustard. They were not able to keep the pressure off of Mahomes. They weren't able to hold the line or hold the fort. But that couldn't have been the only thing. There were drops as well. So how did Tampa Bay slow down Mahomes and the Chiefs' weapons? It was like we talked about the last interview, Omar. They stopped them. It was the pass rush, 100% the pass rush. The tackles out was way more of an effect than I thought it would be because I think Mahomes is pretty mobile. But then again, I think that injury, as we see now, he needs surgery on that toe, was a humongous factor also. But like I told you, man, that pass rush got to them, and I told you that's the only way that they would stop them, and boy, did they do it in a big way. Woo-wee, you are right about that, my friend. They had him running for his life. He had no time whatsoever. And so a fun follow-up on that one. The Super Bowl 55 officiating was terrible. And we've gotten accustomed now to the NFL having really bad officiating, especially in playoff games, where you think they would put their best officials at to make sure that it wasn't bad officiating. So was this... A conspiracy, like the internet says, Tom Brady just getting the win, Roger Goodell putting a little bit in, you know, the Knicks in the draft kind of thing, or was it just usual terrible officiating? I think it was just usual terrible officiating. I mean, the officiating has been bad for the last year, two years. We've seen this a lot, and it's just strange to me that the challenging system just doesn't help fix everything. It's just unbelievable to me, Omar. I don't know how you feel about it. Right. I don't understand why we have this challenge system that is so intricate, but gets things wrong all the time. Or even when it's clear as day to us that something happened, like they still can't get it when they have two or three minutes. So I completely agree. What do you think can be done about that? Anything? I don't know. They just got to clean it up somehow in regards to challenging. And I don't know how to do that. But I mean... Last year, you know, they tried to make pass interference challengeable, and it just slowed up the game too much. So I understand the issues in regards to this. But when you challenge, the call has to be correct. I mean, they can't mess up a challenge. Mm. And for some reason, us fans and experts, we see this on TV, and we all agree, you know, a call is what we think it's going to be turned into. And then all of a sudden, they come out there and say the opposite. I don't know what we're seeing different than they are. But something has to be done to clean it up. And that's all that needs to happen is they need to just clean up the system. I agree, especially with the time they have. 
the officials should be able to get it right. So whether they need to get in, uh, more lead officials in there or just get better officials in general, something needs to happen because it is really affecting the game. It's affecting the watchability of the game. Fans tune out because of that kind of stuff. I mean, I can't imagine how Saints fans feel over the past three years or the two years before now. Oh, no doubt, Omar. I mean, I think a big part of the problem is we have part-time officials. The NFL needs to sack up and pay these guys throughout the year and make it their only job. I think that's a big deal. Preach. Preach that, my brother. That is completely correct. So anyways, enough about these horrible officials. Uh, We mentioned about how Mahomes was running for his life. That defense was getting to him. Mahomes wasn't able to get revenge on Brady after that 2019 title game. So this is now his second playoff loss, both to Brady. So now he has a much longer hill to climb to catch Brady to be the GOAT. But they say to be the man, you got to beat the man. Brady may have another couple years, but he may not. But Mahomes may still have enough time. Does this further solidify Brady as the GOAT? And does Mahomes have time to catch up? I'm going to start off by saying last week I said that Mahomes would be the GOAT. Uh, And I do think he Mm -hmm. does have enough time, Omar. But man, winning his seventh Super Bowl and with another team? I mean, how can you submit it even more? A second team, no Belichick. Which, that's what everyone said was the reason he was a winner. He, they said he was a system, quote-unquote, quarterback. Well, he said, system that, and he shoved it up everyone's Ball and Bud's podcast. <laughs> yes, he did. He took the systems, he took the cliffs, he took the ravines, he took whatever kind of six-round draft pick label you could put on him, and he completely demolished it throughout his whole career, and he proved that without Bill Belichick, he could win. So a follow-up to that, what does that say about each of those individuals, Brady and Belichick, now that Brady was able to win and Belichick missed the playoffs with Cam? Well, I think for Belichick is a prove that you're the best coach ever. I mean, everybody thought he was, you know, going into this, and Brady just knocked him off his pedestal. And, I mean, you look on it, Belichick is under 500 as a coach without Brady, and that is spectacular to me. Wow. I also want to say this to the people that say, you know, he went to a perfect team in Tampa. Tampa was 7-9 last year, guys. They weren't necessarily a world beater. And by the way, they haven't made the playoffs since 2007. So he comes in here, wins double-digit games, and a Super Bowl? Are you kidding me? Goat-tastic is what I'm going to say right there, my friend. No doubt. Goat-tastic for sure, man. Um, Even though they may have had better players than – than a lot of other teams. And even though they did have really good players, like you said, they went 7-9 and nine with Jameis last year, even though he had the 30-for-30 30 30 season. Brady is better than Jameis, but to be able to do that in two different places with two different systems, with two different coaches, with different teammates in the middle of a pandemic is, like you said, goat-tastic. So, my friend, what are the futures for Mahomes and Brady? Well, the future for Brady, I mean, he already stamped it. He could play another five years, I bet, and he may win more Super Bowls, which is fantastic. Mahomes, he'll be fine. I mean, you lose to the GOAT, you lose to the GOAT. It is what it is. You still made the Super Bowl back-to-back times. You're still on a Chiefs team that looks like they're going to be unstoppable for at least five years, depending on, you know, injury situations. So I think they're both going to be fine, and I think we might even see a rematch next year. Who knows? I definitely think the Chiefs will be back. Yeah, I agree, my friend. I think the Chiefs will be back. Like you said, they have at least five years, maybe even 10 in that window that Mahomes' contract, as long as they keep a good team around him, uh, to continue to go back to the Super Bowl. So it is completely possible that even though he only has one, he could get six more. I don't know that we'll see it because that is awfully, awfully, awfully hard. 
but he's still very young, so he still does have enough time to possibly get that seven. So, my friend, before I let you go, and I really appreciate you joining us today, my final question for you is, how many do you think he'll get? Oh, I think there's no doubt about it. He'll at least get three or four. Getting past that mark is tough. I mean, the NFL, Brady makes it look easy. Like, it's unbelievable what he's doing. I mean, we're going to look back when he's retired and in the Hall of Fame, and we're going to be like, wow, I got to see that guy play. And it's unbelievable. It is completely unbelievable what we have seen from, a, like I said, a six-round draft pick that nobody really expected anything from to come in, take over after Drew Bledsoe got knocked out of that game, the injury, and then never relinquish the position and go on to be the greatest winning quarterback in the NFL. You have to call him the GOAT, and I hate to say it, being a Raiders fan, you know, I hate on Tom Brady so much, but he is the GOAT until further notice for probably a long, long time. So thank you again for joining us today, NFL expert Shane Peacher. Go ahead and sign off. Well, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Peachermania. I'll say that. And then uh, I know that was hard for you, Omar, to see one of your uh, nemesis win another Super Bowl. But, hey, you got to see the Chiefs lose. So uh, on that, I'm going to say, suck it, Dale Hood. <laughs> yes, sir. Suck it, Eric. Suck it, all y'all. Anthony, all y'all. Uh, anyways, thank you, my brother, for joining us. Have a good day. You too, my friend. Thanks again for having me. It was a pleasure. It is always great having NFL expert Shane Peacher joining us on the show. Thank you again, my brother, at Peach-O-Mania. Peach like the fruit o Hulkamania on Twitter. Follow him. He is awesome. As we spoke about, my friends, there were a lot of factors that played into this game. Some were big, some were small. Overall, the Bucks were the better team on this day, and that some of these individual factors, even if combined, may have made it a game, but we still think the Bucks would have won. And I think that we are going to see either one or both of these quarterbacks back next year in the Super Bowl. We're definitely going to see Mahomes in the future. And so I believe that Mahomes will get at least two more, maybe three, throughout his career. But I do believe, in the end, Brady will still be the GOAT by the time Mahomes' career is done. Now, someone else may come along to surpass him in the future. Athletes are always getting better, faster, stronger. So, do I think that Tom Brady's seven Super Bowls will last forever? Not if the NFL continues on forever. Maybe if the NFL concedes at some point and goes under, which I don't see happening. I know some people that I've talked to have the opinion that eventually the NFL is going to fold. I don't see that happening. But, you know, hey, we all have our different opinions, and that's why we are called the talking heads of sports. And that's why we are here to educate and entertain you sports fans. So, I'm so glad that you joined me today. And you know how we like to end things here on the Ball and Buds podcast with Omar's epilogue. The game, again, was a dud. There were a lot of factors into that. But basically, the Chiefs got their butts whooped by the Bucks. Nielsen ratings agree. It shows that the Super Bowl was watched by... Now, obviously, I preface this by saying that 96.4 million is a huge amount of people, right? I get that, okay? But still, it was the least watched Super Bowl since 2007 when the Colts took on the Bears in front of an audience of 93.1 million. And that Super Bowl wasn't that great either. That could be due to a lot of factors. People leaving during the middle of the game because they weren't interested in anymore in it. Also, we got to think about all the bars that were closed and not showing the game and all the parties that weren't being had and things like that. And then just the game being a dud in general did not help at all. The good news is that 
there were fans in attendance, so we are starting to get back to some sort of normalcy in this COVID time. I can't wait to get my vaccine personally so I can get back to living my life. But it was awesome because they also included 7,500 vaccinated healthcare workers that were given free tickets by the NFL for uh, blessing these frontline workers that we have. And thank you to all of our healthcare workers for everything you've done the past year for us and for our nation. They made the rest of the stadium full using about 30,000 cardboard cutouts. I'm sure you saw some of them funny ones. And we also had a streaker. Yeah, yes for the streaker wearing the onesie. He eluded security all over the field looking like Bo Jackson and Marcus Allen mixed together, just running everywhere. But my thing, why did he slide before the end zone? Like Kevin Harlan said on the radio, man, you got to score there. You got to. If you're going to do all that, what's the point? And then Gronk had a joke. Being petty talking about the Chiefs should sign the streaker because he got farther than they did. And he actually scored even though he didn't. But we got the point. That's some petty stuff right there, Gronk. The other funny part of the story, as the story goes, is that the streaker actually bet on the odds of there being a streaker at the Super Bowl and then bailed himself out. That is absolutely genius. Genius. Now, I am not one to be endorsing any kind of criminal acts, but I don't think this is a criminal act. I don't really think streaking. I think it's fun. I think it's enjoyable. We all laugh when Will Ferrell did it in old school. We're going streaking through the quad. You know, it's funny. Hey, it happens. But that's just genius. I don't know why I didn't think about that. I don't know why no one thought about that before. But the only problem is, apparently, they voided the bet that he made because I guess there was something in the terms that maybe you can't bet and then do the act yourself or something like that. Which is crazy because, come on, man, if someone's able to outsmart you like that, that's your fault. Y'all got a lot of money as a casino. Get that joint up, man. Yep, fools. Yep, fools. Yep, fools. Yep, fools. Shout out MOP. Anyways, so, you know, sucks to be him that he ended up having to pay that bail and didn't get the money. But kudos to you for a great idea, sir, and I hope to have a beer with you someday. Anyways, Bruce Arians, congrats to him as well. Became the oldest head coach to win a Super Bowl 68, and his mother, God bless her, 95 years old, was there to witness it in person. As we said again, though, that defense and Todd Bowles and Tom Brady all helped him to get there. Uh, Arians was quoted as saying that the title really belonged to the coaching staffs and the players, that he didn't do anything. Well, bless him as well, because we know he, that he had his battle with cancer and everything. We're glad that he is doing well and that he is enjoying his first championship. On that note, thank you for tuning in, my friends. Make sure to support your boy. And as always, subscribe to stay updated and download all the new episodes. Until then, stay safe, take care of yourself, be kind to each other, and spread love the Omar way. Holla!